Hello everyone, it is Monica Yates, your host for the Feminist Fuck podcast and we are back with part two of the story of how my fiance and I met. If you missed part one, make sure you go back and uh, listen to it because it's about how we actually met. And now on part two, we are kind of more in the middle of our relationship, not middle, we're after the first weekend, lol, of our relationship. And then today I will, I'm pretty sure I will get to the engagement. For those of you that don't know, I was recently proposed to by the man of my dreams on November 19th this year, 2022. And of course I said yes and bowled my eyes out in the process. So let's keep going. So where I finished off in the last episode, a little episode recap lol for you guys was I was talking about how we met and I was telling you guys about leading up to that first weekend together. So we never had like, okay, we classify our first date, which I haven't gone into, so I'm going to go into right now. We classify our first date as the first ski day we had together. So even though I had to not fly to, even though you flew me down to Atlanta to go to his birthday thing that night, we don't count that as our first date. And you'll know why in a second. So as you guys know, we met on a chairlift skiing. We just got on the same chairlift and that's how we started talking. And then we never stopped talking. And um, our first weekend together, we went back to where we met. So we were staying at the Ritz And um, I've told you guys about that, but what I forgot to mention, which I'm telling you guys about now, is our first date. So our first date was our first day of skiing, and we decided to be a little bit too gung-ho, and we went into a double black EX enter-at-your-own-risk area. I'm just quickly interrupting the episode for some very important information. If you guys haven't seen in your emails or on my Instagram story, I have created a New Year's Eve bundle that you will not want to miss. Every year, I continue to manifest more and more in the space of 12 months. And I truly believe it's because I set myself up for success each and every year. And I start that at the end of the year before I go into the new year. So in the New Year's Eve bundle, I'll be teaching you exactly what I do each December and January in terms of embodiment, energetics, and action so that you can be blown away by seriously your own life. So in the video, I'm not only teaching you all my secrets, I'm also taking you through a quantum manifestation practice that you can be doing on repeat to ensure that your body is at the vibrational frequency to not only attract what you want, but also to hold it. So in the bundle, you get... Number one, one audio track that is a high vibrational manifestation audio track that is only found in this New Year's Eve bundle. The second thing that you get is a journaling audio track, also very high vibrational, that is going to help you to take your journaling practice up a notch because we really want you to be feeling in your body as you are journaling. That audio track is going to help. Then you also have a call, a video that goes for about one hour. And we did this live on December 7th. So I love doing live calls and then having that replay available because there is so much energy in those live calls that you still get access to, even if you're watching the recording. So don't think that because you couldn't join live, it's not as powerful. It's still, it still is. Then the last thing that you get is also a really in-depth PDF. It's also really pretty that you will use to support yourself in your practice through December, January, and all through 2023. So the details for that are below and let's get back into the episode. So for those of you that don't know how to ski, 
essentially there are out of bounds areas where if you are out of bounds uh, you and you get found, your ski pass will be revoked. And also you are out of the ski mountain area. So they're not going to come and rescue you like too bad. Then you have areas where it's like, it's still quote unquote in bounds, but it's like enter at your own risk. It's really hard for us to get there kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. So there was this enter at your own risk area uh, off one of the back bowls. And he was like, do you want to go down here? I was like, yeah, fuck it. It was a great powder. Like there's great powder and everything. And if you know me, I'm a powder bunny. So I just want the powder and the hard stuff. So we started to ski down here. Well, we got ourselves into quite the shit storm. We were down there trying to get ourselves out of this. It's not a run. It's this back area for, I think it was four to five hours. It was getting so fucking cold and it was like 5 PM. So it was getting dark. We had no reception. We we couldn't even figure out where our location was on the map, to, like on our phone, to figure out where we were in relation to the village. So at one point earlier up, when we first kind of got into things, we were like, okay, this is bad. We need to get out of it because we've got there's no there's no track marks of anybody going through here before. So we're making the first tracks, and so we don't know how to get out of this area to get back to the ski resort. And what was so funny is we were so thirsty. So he said, why don't we ski through this area to get back down to the village to get some water and like chill out for a second, then we'll go back up. And I had to pee and everything. (laughs) Five hours later. So um, we start skiing down and it's just trees everywhere. And so it was really hard to ski, really hard to turn because it was just tree, 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 tree. And what's also, if you know skiing, what's also really dangerous is the areas beneath the actual like leaves of the tree, down where the tree connects to the earth, like the roots, you'll see this like hole. If you fall down a tree hole, it's called a tree well. If you fall down a tree well, you can get stuck down there and die. <laughs> so skiing out of bounds is is actually quite dangerous, but that's who we are. So we, at the beginning, we found our location on the map and we were like, okay, we'll ski this way to try and get over to get back to the village. I don't know what happened, but we just never got over enough. We would have had to go on really over and kind of back up and we just couldn't do it. We just got so lost. I mean, it was great powder. I've got great pictures. It's actually a picture. I'm pretty sure I posted this on Instagram and it's like this open white area. Um, actually, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'll show my phone. Yes. Okay. Here it is. 18th of February. So you have to scroll quite far down, but here is the shot. If you can see that on the screen and we were in buttfuck nowhere. Um, so whilst it looked like I was having fun minutes before that, I was not joking, hiking out the side of a mountain with on my knees with my skis bolted together. If you know what I mean, it's like you have to, you know, when like you're carrying skis over your shoulder, they look like that. You have to take your skis off and you use them as like a ladder to kind of pull you up. If that makes sense, that like horizontal, you dig them into the snow and you pull yourself up with your upper body. Anyway, so it was all fun and games. Then it got kind of bad because we got stuck down near like in a valley and we, you obviously can't ski on the water. It's running. And I really don't like skiing near valleys. It freaks me out. I honestly don't know why. Nothing's ever happened. I've never fallen into one or anything. I think the why it freaks me out is because or like going over a valley, like over one of the like rivers or a valley. Sometimes you can have to ski over them really quickly. The snow over the top. Why it freaks me out is because if you go into that water and water goes in your ski boot, your foot will fucking freeze. And like, 
the Hello Frostbite kind of thing. There, there's the end of your toes. You're not wearing cute Dior shoes anymore with open toes. Um, anyway, lol, but I'm being like kind of dead serious at the same time. So we get down, we get stuck down the bottom and we, I'm not joking when I say we had to climb again, skis taken off and we're pulling ourselves up with our upper body weight. We had to climb probably 10 meters directly up. Like, okay, it wasn't 90 degrees. It was like a little bit lower, but you couldn't walk up. You could not walk it up, walk up. You had to climb like you were rock climbing in the snow up the side of this like cliff basically because we were down in the valley to get up to this top area. Well, we just kept skiing, kept trusting. He was incredible. This was such a test and it was a test because it was like, is he going to crumble or is he going to protect? And let me tell you when I say he stayed so cool, calm and collected. Remember everybody, we don't know each other at this point. This is our first day together. We do not know. Yes, we've skied once. Like we, we, yes, we met skiing. We've had one night in Atlanta, but we went to a comedy show. So we didn't really talk that much. Yeah. Like, yes, we flew together, but he had to do work on the plane. I had to do work on the plane. Yes, we drove there. We were talking on the drive, but this is our first actual like day together. It was the afternoon. It was getting dark and cold. Time was running out anyway. Cause once it's dark out there and you can't see like, good luck to you. No reception. So we keep just skiing down because at the end of the day, if you just keep going down, like we were trying, we were trying to kind of ski towards the highway because it was like, well, we're going to get to humans soon. We kept skiing, we kept skiing and we're freezing. We're so thirsty. We're so effing tired because we've been out in this like area for five hours. I'm not joking when I tell you, we get to a golf course. We are on a golf course. We keep skiing, keep skiing. We're in this cross country area. People are hiking and it's like, oh my God, this humans, thank God. Where are we? We're literally asking people, where are we? We are like a 25 minute drive from where we were staying along the highway. 25 minutes. We had to like cross country, end up cross country skiing across this golf course that was covered in snow. And we had to wait about 25 minutes or something like that ridiculous for a taxi to come and get us from this area, because we were so far away from everything, from this area to then go back to our hotel. Now, in the moment, I wanted to just cry. There were multiple times where I was on the verge of tears and I was just getting really overwhelmed and like, I can't, like it's an, it's a nervous system, right? The feminine nervous system as a woman, it's just like, I can't anymore. He was incredible. It was such a testament to him. It really, really was. And now we look back on it, it was like the best time, obviously. And I remember that in the moment being like, you know, if we stay together, we're going to look back on this and tell our grandkids this one day. Um, but that was our first date. So that was the first weekend together. And from then on, we basically were living together from the get-go. We really, you know, we didn't just have a few hours together here and there when we were on a date. We were essentially living together. So after that weekend, we went our separate ways for about two days and I was so overwhelmed from the energy of that weekend. I'm not joking when I tell you guys, I actually thought he was like a ghost. I was like, did I just go skiing by myself? And the whole time I thought he was a ghost because the connection was so intense and not in a trauma bond way. I really want to emphasize that this was not a trauma bond way. It was like, it was a soulmate kind of way. And and I do believe we have a lot of soulmates. Um, But if you guys know Twin Flames, if you were to read about twin flames, this would be a twin flame situation. So the idea of twin flames was the core of Plato's philosophical discussion with the nature of duality. Okay, so essentially a twin flame 
is someone where like your other half. So your soul gets split at conception. They're the other half of your soul. So now for a lot of people, when you meet your twin flame, and I don't want to say that, I don't want to like, I don't want anyone to put labels on things. I don't think they're necessarily the best thing. People get like obsessed with, but he's my twin flame. I have to make it work, blah, blah, blah. If a relationship's going to work, it's going to work. If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Now that's obviously very high level. What I've just said There's way more to that. Point being is I wasn't obsessing in the beginning of like, oh my God, it's my twin flame, twin flame, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's not what I was obsessing about. But I will say that it was the most intense yet safest connection I'd ever had. I felt different to anything I'd ever had. And I was scared about that. I was scared of losing it. I was scared of going insane. I was like, what is happening to me right now? Anyway, so we had a few days apart. We FaceTime. He talked to me all the time, blah, blah, blah. And then he... Uh, flew to New York. What I really want to say though, in and then, and then our relationship kind of hit it off and you know, we were traveling all the time, seeing each other every weekend, always spending as much time as we could together. We The most time we had apart before maybe a couple months ago where I think we had the most time apart, which was four days, was like two or three days. We really never had more than two or three days apart. And the third day was always really painful for both of us because it would be literally heart hurting, like not anxious, physical heart pain. Um, we both would have it. It was really weird. Whenever we would have to separate, we would both get stomach aches and be really anxious. Not, I don't know if anxious is the right word. It just very like, we would feel like sick in our stomachs whenever we would have to separate. And we'd always get really, we both of us would always get nauseous at the same time. The like hours before we would have to separate, it was very, very weird. Anyway, and so we still get it even to this day, but obviously we don't separate as much because we live together now and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Anyway, point being is that what I really want to share with you guys from this weekend going forward to even now is our relationship shows, and many other people's do too, by the way, we are not alone in our story, show that time is an illusion. Time is an illusion in all different ways, in your business, in your in your relationships and your romantic relationship, there is no such thing as the right timeline. I know that so many people, as I hear all the time, get really stuck on this timeline idea of I'm running out of time. I've got to have kids. I'm 30 years old. I'm not married. I'm not this. Guys have it too, by the way. Yes, women have it more so from the biological perspective of babies. And I also want you guys to know that plenty of men have it too. I'm a 30 year old or I'm a 31 year old, whatever it is. And blah, blah, blah. my, my fiance had it kind of, I don't know whether like full on timeline, but he had it in the way of like 31 years old, not married. I'm going to get the next round of divorces. So he also, he had, he literally said to me, and I'm pretty sure I can say this. I'll take this with him and I'll cut it out if I can't. He said to me that, um, he, gave up the idea of kids because he was like, I'm too old. Like I'm not going to meet anybody and blah, 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 which is really sad. Society does this to us. It, it does this idea that when you get to a certain age, like game over, fuck that game, not over. I know that I'm young, but he's not, not well, he is young, but compared to me, he's six years older than me. So fuck what society says, fuck a timeline. You don't have to be with somebody for this amount of years, then engaged for this amount of years, then married for this amount of years, then you can have a kid. You can do it however the hell you want. We're engaged 
just under 10 months in and we're not going to get married for probably at least two-ish years. Initially, we actually, before we even got engaged, we wanted to get married next year um, because we love each other so much and it was like, why fucking wait? Well, now we need to fucking wait a little bit because we have had so much going on in this first year of our relationship with buying a house and then having to do all the, you know, design stuff and then all my things getting damaged with with the moves. Then we have to get all these lawyers. And then next year I've got my event in Australia and we want to go traveling and blah, blah, blah. There's so many things going on, which is amazing. And so we actually decided, you know what? We want to enjoy next year. Let's enjoy next year because this year has been, you know, getting to know each other. It's been the beginning of our relationship Next year, it's going to just feel like we know each other. Let's just enjoy it. Let's enjoy the engagement. Let's enjoy this in between before we get married. What's the rush, you know? What is the rush? So for some people though, they'll get engaged and get married straight away or married within a year. Like fuck a timeline. Do what feels right for you and your partner and do it for what feels right for you as well. I was very like, we're getting married at the end of next year is what we thought And then when I, it was actually before I even proposed, I went and did the business plan for next year in terms of like what we're launching when as like a rough plan. And I was like, babe, I'm sorry, we could not get married next year. And he was like, cool, that's fine. We don't want the pressure. We talked about it. We do not want the pressure. We want to, we want to be able to enjoy our wedding planning together. We want to be able to enjoy that season of life where we get to plan our wedding. We want to enjoy the wedding. I don't want to be worried about work stuff and blah, blah, blah. So fuck the timeline. If that's one thing that you can take from these episodes of part one and part two, fuck the timeline. Because we literally moved in with each other basically from the get-go because we were always together. I left stuff at his house. He left stuff at my house. And obviously that also was because we lived in different states. So we had to kind of do the long distance, but we also didn't really do that much long distance because he could work remote. I could work remote up to a certain point. As some of you would know, we, uh, I ended up having to leave New York and come to Atlanta by choice, of course, because he got a promotion and he couldn't work remote anymore. It had to be majority in the office or like on the ground in Atlanta. Um, and he couldn't be like traveling as much, blah, blah, blah. Also he has two dogs. I have two dogs. I mean, fuck, never do this to yourself. We don't love it. Like we love our dogs, but four dogs is is just too much. And we often ask ourselves, like, why do we both have two dogs? We were doing this on the weekend, actually, the other day of like, why the fuck do we both have two dogs? Why do we have four? Like, what the hell? We we honestly, people must just think we're crazy because we rock up to places with four dogs, which is just bloody hilarious. Anyway, point being is that, you know, we moved in together. Oh, like I left New York at the beginning of June. Um, so I guess that's when we moved in together because we were then traveling for a few weeks because I, we had this like kind of dead time. We flew to Australia to surprise my parents and then went to Europe as you guys would know if you were following my Instagram. And when we flew back from Europe, we flew back to Atlanta and we moved in together. Essentially we were doing different Airbnb houses until we found our dream home and then, you know, bought the house, blah, blah, blah. Um, So we moved in pretty quickly compared to other people and now we're engaged and now we're going to take a little bit longer to get married compared to most people. A lot of people will get married within a year of getting engaged or just over a year. We're going to take a little bit more of our time. Friends, do you know that 41% of women in the US are now the main breadwinner of households and 73% of couples say that finances are the source of the tension in their relationship? That's a lot. So if you are in that stat of either making more money, 
than your partner or if you make the same amount of money as your partner and you find money can be a little bit of an iffy situation. Maybe you find that he's not providing it in the way that you want him to be or you don't feel like he's leading because you're the one making the money. Whatever it is, the feminine female breadwinner has been made to help you and support you in this area of your life because there is not enough education on how we blend this new modern situation of women women making more money than men or the same amount of money with still that biological need of us as feminine women to feel like a man is leading, providing, and protecting us. So if you're not already in the Feminine Female Breadwinner, I would recommend that you get in it. It's only $397 for a heck of a lot of information. So after we became boyfriend and girlfriend, he asked me in Lake Tahoe, we were on a big ski tram. It's like a giant gondola, basically. There's like, I don't know, 50 people in there. He asked me then, and we were already essentially boyfriend and girlfriend. We weren't seeing anybody else. We weren't sleeping with anybody else. As some of you would know from the previous episode, I was actually seeing somebody when I met him. We were not official or anything like that. Um, He actually didn't live in New York. He lived in London. And I was still kind of talking to him, but what was interesting, and this just proves energy is everything, he was just kind of like slipping away a little bit. He wasn't chasing as much. He wasn't pursuing as much, which was fine by me because I felt really weird, honestly. I felt very, very weird about, you know, seeing my fiance, then boy, then, okay, he wasn't my boyfriend at that point, but that guy. And then also this other guy in London, I felt really weird about that. Um, so as soon as he asked me to be his girlfriend, I actually then texted this other guy being like, I'm no longer cool with being pen pals. Like we're done. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. But essentially there's there, he just wasn't chasing as much, which was fine. And I was like, okay, snooze you lose. Bye. Um, so let that one go. And then from this moment forward, we were back and forth from New York to Atlanta all the time. That was hard. It was hard. It was it was a little bit exhausting. Um, it wasn't that exhausting. It was hard emotionally because we'd be together, not be together, be together, not be together. Um, the dogs, I would take the dogs everywhere because I couldn't always leave them with friends all the time. So like friends couldn't always stay with me all the time. So that was really, really hard. And I knew I wasn't going to last much longer doing it. I think it's really easy to say in hindsight right now, like, oh, I probably could have stayed in New York for a bit longer and done more back and forth, but I couldn't have. My lease would only allow for um, another year. Well, I wasn't going to sign another year because I knew that was going to be way too long and I wouldn't have been able to get out of it, get out of it. Um, and also, and like, because New York real estate is really, really, really strict. And I knew that I wasn't going to last much longer doing the up and down. Neither was he. So he asked me again on a fucking chairlift again, <laughs> lol, us in chairlifts, us in skiing really. And snow, he asked me on a chairlift again. This, way, this time we were skiing in Breckenridge with some other friends, um, his friends, because he's got a lot of friends that ski. I'm like, hallelujah, got ski friends now. Um, you would understand that again from part one. So he asked me, if I would move to Atlanta and that he really needed me to because he couldn't be without me. And he also can't keep traveling up and down to New York, especially only on weekends. Like he doesn't want to be away from me Monday to Friday because of this new job and then only be able to see me Saturday and Sunday. And I didn't want that either. Obviously it would have maybe helped a little bit with productivity with getting more admin and work done, but I made it work. I mean, you just, you do as a business owner, you just make it work. I made it work during that time. Um, 
And I allowed myself to flow more during that first season of our relationship. You know, I let, I let myself not promote as much and I didn't make as much money in that first month of us dating as what I usually do. And I kind of love that. It's part of the story. It's a reminder for all you business owners that it's okay to not make as much money when month, when something else is coming into your life and things need to rebalance out. I was learning how to redelegate my time with there being a new important person in my life that was taking up a lot of my time. Month later, I was back up there and now it's completely fine. It was one month that went down a little bit as I was just relearning. Things didn't go down in terms of services or anything. I was completely giving myself to all that. I just wasn't doing extra because I didn't need to do extra because my extra was going towards him and us and creating this new this new thing. So fast forward a little bit more. He said, I love you to me first. I know people are going to want to know that. He said, I love you to me first. I was not going to say it first. I knew, I knew it before he said it. Um, and I was getting really edgy about it, I will say. Um, but I was not going to say it first. And we were in Jackson Hole when he said it, again, skiing. Um, he said it at nighttime though. And actually some of you might remember, Jelly got really, really, really sick in Jackson Hole. We came back from skiing one evening and there was blood everywhere all through the house. I actually thought someone got murdered. Like I thought I thought someone came in and killed one of the dogs, but it was Jelly. He I can't remember what they said he had in his stomach, but it was something really really bad and he nearly died. It was actually really scary. Um and so we had to take him to the hospital and I was a mess and I really wanted to say it to him in that moment because I did love him in that moment and he actually told me after he told me when he told me um, that he wanted to say it in that moment too, but he didn't want me to associate the two and two together. He didn't want me to think that he was only saying that because of what was happening in the moment. And in case Jelly did die, he didn't want me to associate the two moments together. Um, And actually when Jelly was really sick at the vet and he was doing all the signs that dogs do when they're about to die, um, I actually phoned mum and mum knew at this point, by the way, I think I told my parents maybe like Two weeks into dating, I think I told them a couple of weeks into dating. I think once we were boyfriend and girlfriend, I told so like two weeks in. Once he asked me to be his girlfriend, I think that's when I told my parents. Um, and I phoned mum and I said, I remember saying to mum, Jelly was like my angel that was sent to me during COVID because I was so lonely in London. And he, he did save me. Like I really do like believe that he's like a little guardian angel to me. And I said to him, I said, I'm worried that he's leaving me now because I have my man. Um, for those of you that don't know, there's like this philosophy behind dogs and that the story is basically that dogs are here to, you know, how do people, people like humans say we don't deserve dogs? Well, dogs are here to basically teach us a lesson. And once we've learned that lesson, then they, their purpose is over and they can leave us. And, um, goosebumps. So I said to my mom, I'm worried that Jelly's leaving me because I am not lonely anymore. And then I have, I've, you know, I've got this person that's always with me and, you know, I'm so happy and blah, blah, blah. And I want to preface, I wasn't like really lonely for ages before I met him. I was just, I was really lonely, you know, months into that lockdown in London. I mean, London was locked down for over a year and I was there. It was really, really fucking rough. Um, And the only thing that honestly was giving me purpose and getting me through was my job. That gave me so much love and light every day. But then at the end of the day, it was like, I don't have anything else. And so I got Jelly and the way that I got him and everything, I actually rescued him and was just really rare to rescue a toy poodle. Um, And so 
that was happening. And then that, that night, I think it was the next night actually, um, I was asleep and he came down and woke me up. It was like 1am or something. And he said to me, he said, I have something to tell you. And I was like, yeah. And he said, I love you. And I just cried. And then we made the most beautiful love. And I will say actually on this topic of making love, if you are not having mind blowing, heart filling, tears pouring sex, you're allowed to think I want more. I will say that you really are because that is what makes a romantic relationship better and different, not better. It makes it different and completely different to a friendship is the lovemaking that you have with that person. It's an intimate connective moment that you have with only that person. Um, so just a reminder that please, again, don't settle for a shitty relationship and please do not settle the bad sex. So then, as I said before, everything just kept flowing in our relationship and uh, we moved in together. I moved to Atlanta. I bought this house for us. Um, you guys kind of know that story. I've shared that. Bought this house and here we are. So we're still doing the traveling. We're still doing all the things. We live together. We are still very much in love. Um, we are so playful and giggly and so intimate and the polarity is so fucking steamy and hot every day. And I've taught him a lot about being in his masculine by allowing him to be in his masculine and also by being in, um, my feminine, which is really important. So he is not into, and wasn't before I met him, he wasn't like some personal development junkie. He was aware of it. He'd done, you know, some, some work on himself. He'd, you know, gone to a therapist, blah, 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 was aware of whatever, worked on, got, you know, seen people for help during really hard moments of life. But he wasn't this and isn't this super woo-woo guy. I'm not into that. It's just not my cup of tea anyway. I like really quote unquote normal dudes. Um, so that's who he is. And of course, with my line of work and my passion, I definitely have rubbed off on him. And the way that I rubbed off on him the most is just being the light. It's not pushing anything on him, not making him read any books or do anything. It's just by being the example and teaching him when he wants to know things. I don't give him unsolicited advice. I simply am me. And when he wants to understand something more, there's that. We learn a lot from each other by having great communication, by having productive arguments. When we argue, every couple argues, we argue. We don't argue very much by any means. Um, and of course, we argue the most when we're tired. We know that about each other. So when we are starting to argue and we're both tired, it'll be like, let's just go to bed. And if we need to talk about this tomorrow, we can talk about it tomorrow. And we've we have we know our roles in our relationship. We we know our boundaries. We are open and honest with each other. And we have a very, very, very healthy relationship. I will also say that what's really important for, I think, everybody and we have it in our relationship is I knew what I wanted in a relationship from the get-go. He knew what he wanted in a relationship from the get-go. I will be honest and say that I definitely, uh, I've done more work on myself a thousand percent coming into this relationship and in me being the quote unquote more healed one, it's allowed him to heal more. So I don't want anyone thinking that you both had to be perfectly healed before you come into a relationship. However, I think that for one, like for one person to have done a lot of work on themselves and be very, very, very secure in themselves and in their attachment style, it's very healing for the other person. 
Everyone, this is your reminder to make sure that you have snatched up a ticket to my Melbourne event if you haven't already. This is my only event that I'm doing in Australia. So if you live in Australia or you live nearby, please, I urge you to buy a ticket. If you have any questions on whether this is a right fit for you, please just send me an email. I don't bite. Um, if you're deciding between this and something else or you need you know, me to answer some questions that you have have about it or like some concerns or worries that you need me to help you to work through or to understand, then I'm here. I'm absolutely here to help. So you just shoot me a DM or shoot me an email so I can answer them. And do not forget the pre-sale. So the $1,000 off ends November 11 at midnight. So it is up to you to claim a space before that. There will be no tickets available for you to purchase afterwards. And then the ticket will go up to its full price. So all the details are on the link below and let's jump back into the episode and the last thing I want to say in our relationship before I go into the engagement and the proposal is healthy relationships are the most triggering healthy relationships are the most triggering why because when you're in a healthy relationship people don't bottle up stuff people don't not say things and then explode it onto you the next day people don't hold on to resentment. People like each of you love each other so much that you call each other out when you're being shitheads. Healthiest relation, healthy relationships are the most triggering. I call him out. He calls me out. And, and this is a twin flame thing as well. If you read about twin flames, again, I'm not putting a label on it, but I also just, for anyone that's like into that stuff, um, for the most part, when you're in a very healthy relationship, it's too much for most people. People can't do it. People can't do it because it's so fucking triggering. People can't take the triggers. People's nervous systems freak out. They run the other direction because they haven't done work on themselves. Let me tell you that if you are in a triggering relationship that invites you to go deeper and you can stay in it, you're going to have an incredible relationship. I also understand that for some of you, you might not be able to deal with triggers right now. That's okay. And I also want to let you know that that's an invitation for you to do some work on yourself and for you to heal your, your stuff. Because the more that you heal, the less you're going to be triggered about. And the more that you heal, the more when someone calls you out in your shit, you won't get triggered, but instead you'll say thank you and you will learn. And I have learned so much more about myself and my personality and the way that I want to show up in the world and all that kind of stuff by being in this relationship. You can only grow so much by being alone. Then you'll hit a point. That's fine. And then when you're in a relationship, you will have so much more stuff that will come to the surface in either a new way or that you weren't aware of before. Because sometimes you need someone to pull it out of you and to kind of trigger it for you to know it's there. A lot of things won't show up when you're single, but they will show up in a relationship. So even if you've done a lot of work on yourself and then you get into a relationship and you're like, shit, why is all this stuff coming up? Oh my God, the stuff I did on myself didn't work. No, it did work. It's just that new things are coming up. All things are coming up in a different way because you're in a different environment. That is a good thing. You get to heal more. You get to become a better version of yourself. You get to deepen your sense of self and deepen your relationship. So that's the last thing that I want to say. Healthy relationships are triggering. We all have tiffs. We have tiffs. It's okay. There are moments where I'm just like, ugh. And I can't, and I just like, can't fucking deal with it. I'm like, I cannot, like what is going on right now? There are those moments, they're rare, but they're there. It's human. There is nothing wrong with your relationship. If you are having those moments, if you're having arguments, you know, every once in a while, 
it's okay. It doesn't mean you need to break up. It doesn't mean that you're in a trauma bond. It means that you are two humans being in a relationship together and you are bringing two completely different worlds. And when I say worlds, I mean upbringings, trauma, wounds, values, beliefs, whatever. The way that you show up, your personality types, you're bringing them together. There's going to be shit that comes up. There's going to be moments where you want to pull your hair out. If you can stay and communicate and work through it and try and connect deeper and understand each other more, you're going to have an incredible relationship. Running might feel easier, but it isn't always going to give you the best result. Okay. Proposal story. Proposal story. I'm going to have the proposal story as the part three. I thought it was going to be two parts. It's going to be part three. So proposal story is going to be the next one. I will give you this hint for the, like I'll give you these details of the proposal story. Number one, it happened in the snow. You guys know that. I knew it was happening in the next few months. Didn't know that it was going to happen that weekend. Of course, there's part of my brain that was like, maybe it'll happen this weekend, but I wasn't hundred percent sure about it by any means. Um, what I will say is that the, that weekend had been planned for months. We actually booked a cabin together about two months into dating. Um, very early on, we were in New York. We booked a cabin together and I thought we were going to that cabin. He surprised me about a week and a half, two weeks prior to going, saying he was going to take me skiing on a few, for a few days before we go there. So we're going to leave a little bit earlier than planned. We're going to leave Thursday night, not Friday, not Saturday night. So we can ski Friday, Saturday. Great. Here for it. Yes. No, we left Friday night instead of Saturday night. So we, so we can ski for like a day and a half and then we'll drive to the cabin. He was a genius the way that he planned this because he planned this trip right? And he made me feel like I was involved in the decision-making of this trip. When in reality, it was all planned out, all done to a T. And what I thought was happening was not happening. So part three is coming to you guys in a few days time. Make sure that you have, like I've said in the previous episodes, If you are wanting to be in a healthy relationship or you are wanting to meet your dream man, there are so many resources and so much that I can help you with to get you there. Number one, I am doing a masterclass next year on how I manifested my fiance um, in terms of the steps that I did and the action that I took and the energetic things that I did to allow the situation to occur to meet him in the most magical of ways on that chairlift. Um, so the wait list for that is below so that you can get the details when I put that out into the world. It will be a live call. So you guys can ask me questions. You never know. Maybe he'll even make an appearance. Who knows? That's number one. Number two is so much of relationships and problems that you face in relationships that you are in or in attracting your dream relationship is about your shit. It's about your wounding, your trauma, your energetic blocks, your emotional issues, blah, blah, blah. So one-on-one coaching is going to be amazing for you, depending on your case. Also, Queen Alchemy can be a really good option. For some of you, Queen Alchemy is not a good fit. You actually need one-on-one coaching and going into Queen Alchemy would 
not help you. It would actually probably make things worse because it would be moving at too much of a rapid pace for the amount of trauma that you have. I am not deterred by a lot of trauma. Like send me your essay of all of your stuff that you've dealt with and we will go through every single thing in our container and get it all ticked off so those triggers, so those bad habits, so those demons in your mind are all gone. I know it can be really hard to even understand how my trauma, like how my healing and coaching works, but imagine essentially you just no longer thinking about half the things that you think about. Imagine no longer being anxious at the beginning of dating. Imagine no longer, you know, needing validation for certain things. Imagine no longer ever having the thought of I'm not enough or am I not deserving or is he judging me or this isn't perfect being in your head. They're gone. My mind is blank. I don't think about things like that about myself. I don't get triggered. I don't get hot hot flushes. I don't get sweaty armpits. I don't get a racing heartbeat in moments. I don't get a blocked throat when I'm trying to speak up or say something. I don't go numb. I don't get those things anymore. I used to and don't get them anymore. And I can help you to have the exact same things. You being fully in alignment and being free of your trauma is going to mean that you are not holding yourself back subconsciously from manifesting and being in and taking action on your dream relationship. It's not manifesting your dream relationship isn't just about the woo-woo. It's also about the action. You are the action piece. If you are blocking yourself in action based on your trauma, your wounds, blah, blah, you can't take the action. You can't embody the things. You can't then hold the healthy relationship. So Queen Alchemy, one-on-one coaching, they're going to be great things for you to look at. Obviously, I also have embodiment of dating with the VIP option and without the VIP option. And I have Be A Love and Not A Mother. They are all fantastic as well. And I'm sure sometime in the future, we will have a relationship course coming out because our relationship is so unique. Um, and we learn so much every day from each other. So I'm sure that will come out sometimes in the future. But for part four... No, part three, sorry. Oh my God, getting ahead of myself. For part three, you will have to listen to the next episode, which will be coming out in a few days for you guys. Don't forget to leave a podcast review below if you love the episode and send us a screenshot so that we can send you the uh, meditation that is specially made just for my podcast listeners. I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining.